0: Welcome, friends, to week six of the corona disruption of church. What a strange six weeks it's been. What an uncertain future we continue to face, don't we? Uh, I pray today everyone is uh, healthy, everyone is safe, and that we can continue to press into what God has for us in this season. You know, this week I asked myself an interesting question. I said, what would Jesus be doing right now? Like, how would Jesus be handling this uh, corona season? And the conclusion I came to is that he would be really active right now. He would be out there getting sick people healed. He would be making sure that um, people that are food insecure are fed. He would be delivering people from the spirit of fear that's just attacking our society right now. Jesus would be busy. He'd be having, I think, actually the time of his life. He'd be loving, setting all these people free. And I think that's such a, a challenge for me and a challenge for us because the thing is this, Jesus is the model of the way that we are to live because he lives in us now. He's in us and he empowers us to live the way that he lived and the way that's recorded in the scriptures. And so that, that provokes me and it just, it just asks this, this question, how do you do that in this time? I mean, in a time where just the onslaught of news feels so fearful and the situation is so uncertain, we're, we're facing challenges maybe in our personal health or our finances and certainly just the challenge of uncertainty ahead. How do you stay in the place of strength for yourself and strength to give away to other people? Because that's what Jesus would be doing. That is an important question for us. And it's such an important question that we're going to take today and the rest of this series that we're titling Nurturing a Secret History of God to explore just that. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you um, would not be uh, defeated by this season, but that you would be undoing the works of the enemy. And because we know that's what you would be doing, we know that's what you are doing, God. That's what you want to be doing through us. And, Lord, we want to join you in that work. And so, Jesus, we ask today, would you meet us? Would you strengthen us? Would you teach us, God, how to nurture a secret history with God that we might have the strength, God, to have what we need for ourselves in this time and what we need to give away to others in this time? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been talking for the last number of weeks about how we believe this is a Matthew 6 moment for our church. A time to give, a time to fast, a time to pray. And I want to take a look at those Matthew 6 passages in just a bit more detail. Specifically, when Jesus talks about giving, fasting, and praying, he adds an important detail. These are the three passages. So first we have Matthew 6, 3 through 4, where Jesus says this, When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Matthew 6, 6 says, When you pray, go to your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Matthew 6, uh, 17 through 18. When you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. He keeps coming back to this. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When Jesus talks about giving, fasting, and praying, he doesn't just say give, fast, and pray. He says give, fast, and pray in secret. He, he returns to this secret idea and says this matters. It's important you do it this way. Now. What, what does that mean, to give fast and pray in secret? Well, it doesn't mean in the sense of keeping secrets from one another. It doesn't mean in the sense of, you know, like, hide your prayers and, and, and whatever. It's, it's not talking about um, the, the, the secretive uh, stay away from my life thing. It, it, Jesus is saying, do it in private. Do it just with you. Do it just with God. Because when you connect with God in, the, in what we might call the secret place, when you build a secret history with God, when you do it together in private, that is your source of dearest connection with God. The father who sees what's done in secret, when it's only you and only him, that's when it's the most intimate connection with God. And Christians over history have long taught that a secret history with God, a secret life with God, is a critical source of strength throughout the Christian life. And of course, this tradition finds its root in Jesus Christ himself, who we see over and over again, balancing um, the output of his ministry activities with the input of a cultivated secret history with God. In Luke 5, it, it says it this way. Now, even more, the report about him, Jesus, went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Jesus is famous. He's like a rock star. People are coming from everywhere to get his ministry. It says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Jesus had this rhythm of engage, retreat, engage, retreat. He would do the ministry, absolutely. Like, he was here to do that. But he would also withdraw And nurture that secret history with God. And we see him doing this, not just at this time, but a number of key times in his ministry. Right right when he's about to start his public ministry, he spends 40 days in the wilderness, fasting and being tempted by the devil. Yes, but also connecting with the presence of God. Right before he chooses the 12 disciples, he spends all night up in prayer, prays throughout the whole night before he chooses them. Um, When his disciples had just been sent out and they returned, and they said, Jesus, this is amazing. The sick were healed. The demons were driven out. Um, This was unbelievable. When all of this happens, Jesus says, great, now let's come away. Let's recharge. Let's reinvest in that secret history with God. Um, When he finds out his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded, he goes off by himself to connect with God and to grieve. And lastly, when he's just about to undertake the road to Calvary, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas is in the process of betraying him. Jesus says, hey, guys, I need you to pray for me. I need to go alone. I need to connect with God right now because this is really hard. (laughs) Jesus, the human being Jesus, God, yes, but also human. (laughs) The human being Jesus nurtured a secret history with God for his own ministry. And if that's what he needed to do, how much more? Is that what we need to do? A secret history with God will empower us for what we need in this unique time. It gives us the strength to handle the challenges that come our way and face us. And it gives us the strength to engage with a community that has deep need for Jesus Christ right now. So... What, how do we do that? What, are, what is nurturing a secret history with God all about? I know you might be thinking, oh, he's talking about devotions. He's talking about getting up and reading the Bible or something like that. And, and it, if, if that's your response, I totally get it. It can, it can be difficult to figure out how to engage a secret history with God. But I've got good news. It doesn't have to seem boring. It doesn't have to seem irrelevant. But we do have to choose to nurture that secret history. See, a secret history with God, it's a, it's a relational thing. And, and just like any other uh, relationship that we have, it, it requires uh, activities and it requires intentionality to connect. Now, to be clear, we're, we're not talking about, you know, uh, spiritual weightlifting here, pumping ourselves up. And we're certainly not talking about uh, earning brownie points with God. No, God already loves us, he's already forgiven us, he's already pleased with us because of Jesus Christ. We're not earning anything with God, and we're not strengthening and pumping ourselves up. No, what we're doing is we're connecting with the true source of life and authority that lives in us, Jesus Christ. We're connecting with the the Spirit of God that's been poured out upon us and longs to fill us and connect us uh, with the presence of the Father and of the Son. That's what we're doing in these activities. But but doing that requires doing something. You know, think about any relationship that you value and you want to nurture. However you would invest in that relationship, you do it by doing something together with that person. Maybe you go to see a movie. Maybe you go uh, to a restaurant. Maybe you have a shared hobby or other activity that you enjoy. Whatever it is... It's a shared experience that allows the environment the opportunity for that connection. And it's interesting. It's, it's actually not the activity itself. Take about, think, of, think about conversation. Conversation can be a beautiful vehicle of connection, but it's actually not conversation itself that makes the connection happen. We've all had conversations that were very disconnecting. <laughs> no, it's, it's that the conversation provides an environment, an opportunity for that connection. You go out to a movie and you spend the time talking afterwards because it's like wow we want to share the experience we had of that movie with one another. It's not just the movie that's connecting, it's the shared experience that's connecting. And when it comes to God, it works in a very similar way. We have to have shared experiences with God to nurture that relationship, to nurture that history. Now it's a little bit trickier because Jesus is invisible, at least to most of us most of the time. And so it can feel harder to, to figure out how do we nurture uh, a relationship with a, with a God that we can't see. And that is indeed a, a source of uh, frustration for many, but it is something that we can learn to do. And often what it involves is it just involves kind of playing around and trying it out until we find what clicks for us. Just like every relationship that you have with another person is kind of unique. I have friends that I'm like, oh, when I get together with them, I want to watch a movie. When I get together with them, I want to do something different. I want to talk. When I get together with them, I um, want to play board games. You know, I have different activities that I enjoy with different friendships. And similarly, we each have our own unique relationship with God. And so we figure it out between him and us, and it's kind of a custom between him and us, kind of thing. It's beautiful in that way. But what Christians over the years, over the centuries, have discovered is that there are a set of activities that most people find some really fruitful things within this set of activities. And those things are often referred to as spiritual disciplines or sometimes spiritual rhythms. Um, and and these, these, like going to a movie or conversation, they, they form the environment for that connection with God to be able to happen. Now, there's a number of different uh, lists of these disciplines, and there's no like official list. Um, but uh, there's a number of authors that have really explored and, and, and dived into this subject. And one of the ways that I find helpful to, to engage with this comes from uh, Dallas Willard. Now, Dallas Willard is kind of a legend. um, He's a best-selling author for a number of books, including this one, The Spirit of the Disciplines, which we're about to to just look at some lists he's got in here. Um, But he was actually a a, a philosophy professor at University of Southern California. (laughs) And so, well-respected academic and a um, well-respected leader in, in the faith. And he breaks the spiritual disciplines down into two categories. He talks about what are called disciplines of abstinence. And disciplines of abstinence are a kind of soul cleanse, you might think about. Like, like when we go on a, a dietary cleanse and we, we uh, abstain from eating certain foods so our body can kind of purge things out that don't need to be in there, toxins and, and whatnot. These disciplines of abstinence are kind of like that. We go without something in our life. And we invite God to to fill the space that 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 thing would normally fill for us. And what often happens is in that, God fills the space and and he just clears us out of some things that that we don't necessarily need. These are disciplines like solitude and silence, going without the presence of other people or, or input. Uh, fasting, going without food, um, secrecy, going without um, people like knowing the, the things that you're doing, sacrifice, giving up certain things. Um, these are all disciplines of abstinence. And, and on the other side, we have what are called disciplines of engagement. And in disciplines of engagement, rather than uh, letting go of something and asking God to sort of fill the space, we engage with something and we find God in the mix. And so while one is kind of a soul cleanse, the other is sort of soul food. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's taking in nutrients uh, for our soul by doing activities that we find God in the midst of. Now, I know what you're thinking. Hashtag quarantine 15. We all have been participating maybe with a lot of food that we could use a little cleansing from. Um, but I think it's important for each of us uh, to be operating and to be uh, using both disciplines of abstinence and engagement. And so in disciplines of engagement, you have things like this. You have study and really engaging and digging through the word in that way. You have worship, um, celebration, serving one another, prayer. Um, Both sides of these are really important. And it's kind of the the well-balanced diet of them both that allows us to really connect with God in meaningful and in powerful ways. Now, I want to take a little bit of our time here today. And I want to introduce two of these disciplines, specifically two of the disciplines of of abstinence. And and that is solitude and silence. Now, uh, I I personally actually love these disciplines. And some of that is my personality. I'm wired to really connect with God through these uh, two disciplines. And so you might find them amazing and incredible. And you might find them like, oh, that doesn't really do a lot for me. Um, But my suggestion for you would be this. Even if you think, oh, I don't think I could find God in it, don't write it off too quickly. Many of these things, we might think, oh, yeah, I can connect with God there. And we find it's maybe not as fruitful as we thought. And this other thing that we go, oh, I couldn't find God in that at all. It's like, wow, God really used that. That was powerful. Um, And so silence and solitude are uh, one of these disciplines, one of these rhythms that allow us to nurture that secret history with God. Now, these disciplines are not terribly complicated. Essentially, they're, they're caught up in the names, and, and they often partner together, which is why we're talking about the two of them together. Uh, solitude is abstinence from the presence of other people, and so it's time that you spend uh, by yourself, only in the presence of God. Silence is not just silence from speaking, but it's, it's uh, participating in silence from input into your system. And so this is uh, kind of a, a fast of not just speaking, but a fast of maybe listening to music, listening to a podcast, or, uh, or, or watching videos or the news or anything like that. It's a, it's a uh, sort of a separation from input into our system. And, and what we find is that in silence and in solitude, by sort of closing ourselves off to the inputs that come in there, we can attune ourselves better to the inputs that come from God. In Habakkuk 2:20, uh, the Bible says this, it says, "The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him." There's a way that we can experience the presence of God in silence. That's kind of unique and different to the other ways that we can experience the presence of God. Now, what we're trying to do in this series is not just talk about the disciplines, but to give kind of an inside scoop on these disciplines. And so I took some time this week, and I set it aside for some some solitude and silence, and and I kind of checked in as I went and shared, this is what it's like to experience this discipline from the inside. Let's watch. Hey friends, I'm gonna take some time here and put these disciplines into practice, solitude and silence. And along the way, it's my goal to kind of check in and just share what some of the experience is. What are these disciplines like kind of behind the curtain? I found myself like I, I kept wanting to reach for my phone to look at the timer that I set because I knew I had to like come back. And I was like, why do I, I don't need to do that I don't need to look at the phone like the timer will go off I'll be okay and what was interesting is on the way back I could already tell by the way I was walking that my mind was starting to slow down I wasn't walking with like urgency um, I was walking with uh, intention it wasn't like you know just kind of wandering but it wasn't uh, hurried if that makes sense I noticed my preoccupation with my phone and what do I do next has like kind of kind of drifted away. Um, but I noticed that what was happening this time was I felt like there was all of this stuff that I'm like processing that started coming up. Um, so we had like this really bizarre situation with work um, that, that came up, and I'm like thinking about that, or I'm thinking about this relationship, or um, whatever. And so all of that. coming up and each time I'm just trying to sort of put it in God's hands and God I trust you with this. So I think I'm I'm starting to really feel like sort of centered in myself a little more, less all the urgency, activity and like more like just being. Interestingly that when I was coming back I was not really looking forward to coming back to talk. I was like, I actually don't want to talk. I want to stay in this place because I think I'm beginning to really feel a kind of like rejuvenation uh, from it at this point. Just again, yeah, that last hour, sorry, the last half hour chunk was uh, very fast. Um, I felt like I was able to really engage with Jesus a little bit more, which was cool. I just had this sense like I'm kind of sitting in this area and had the sense of him sitting right next to me as we were talking, and uh, that was very cool. Um, But interestingly, I also felt more of the sort of like uh, emotion distraction stuff kind of pop up at the same time as well. This last hour was really interesting. Uh, I really started off like feeling very engaged with the presence of God. And um, then eventually this um, uh, like one of the one of the things that I had been I've been sort of processing through, sort of kept coming back, and I was trying to sort of shove it aside, and then Jesus was like, "Well, I want to talk to you about this." <laughs> and so we had a great conversation about it, and then that was really good. And being done now, I feel full, uh, like spiritually and emotionally. Um, it was not a depleting experience at all. It was a very rejuvenating experience. Um, it wasn't, like, easy uh, exactly, but it was very good. And I feel, um, like, really connected with God. I feel like I had a great um, conversation with Him and um, just experienced His presence and took the time with Him. And it was um, it was good. It was a very interesting experience, uh, up and down, but overall super positive. All right. So that's what silence and solitude look like On the inside, that's the backstage pass to them. Now, a couple of things I just want to draw out of that real quick, because I find these are rather common in the experience of silence and solitude. The first is this, and many of the disciplines work this way, particularly these disciplines of abstinence, which, if we're honest, are maybe the harder ones for us sometimes. (laughs) They usually feel like they get harder before they get easier and before we connect with God meaningfully. So um, you'll notice I, I felt things kind of rattling around in me, and the first thing that came up was the tendency towards distraction. You know, in our in our kind of everyday, we tend to say so busy and so engaged with everything. I mean, I'm constantly in the back of my mind thinking, like, "Oh no, did I get an email? Did I get a text? What's the next thing I have to do?" I'm 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 kind of flying around with all of that, and 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 when we step into silence and solitude, it takes a while for our mind to kind of unwind from that. And so you'll probably first feel yourself feeling angsty and like, oh, "I I feel like I'm supposed to check my phone. I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something." And, and 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 our mind will prompt all these distractions: do this, do this, do this. And with each of those, you just need to like, "Okay, Lord, like." I'm putting this in your hand. I'm I'm letting it go. I trust you with that thing right now. I don't need to engage. Your presence with me is enough. And so there's there's kind of a phase of distraction is what it feels like to me at least. And then the next phase is it's not distraction, but it's the things that were like, Just like rattling around inside of us. You know, there's always like, you know, I've got this relationship that, you know, I'd love to see some progress in. I've got that problem I don't really know how to solve. Um, I've got this tension in my mind that I'm kind of trying to figure out what to do about. You know, I've got all of these things kind of rattling around in the back of my mind. and, And the next thing that happens once the distraction lifts is those begin to bubble to the surface. And again, it's easy to start saying, okay, I'm going to figure it out and, and, and engage with it. That's not what we want to do here. Remember, we're putting these things in God's hands. We're saying, God, actually, your presence is all I need. I don't need the presence of my problems. I don't need the presence of my tensions. I just want your presence. And so we, we say, God, you know, for the next amount of time, however long I'm doing this, I trust you with it. I put it in your hands. God, we can pick that up later, but right now, I just want to be with you. And so we'll probably have some time where we're just going to have to do that for a little bit. And it's not like you do it once and it's done. You just stay in that posture. God, like I give it to you. God, no, I don't want to fixate on this. You keep giving it to the Lord. And what happens is eventually we begin to settle through all of that. And it's at that point that we really beautifully be able to connect with God and actually also with ourselves and who we are underneath the, the the all the mental activity and and all the things we're trying to figure out I uh I read an article by Brett and Kate McKay this week on silence and solitude that I just thought was so beautiful and so powerful and and this was one of the things they said which I said it so well I just thought, I have to quote them they're doing it so much better than I am and here's what they said they said in the space of silent solitude We must look squarely at our motivations, values, compulsions, loneliness, and disappointments without the option of averting our gaze with a distraction. What do your thoughts turn to in your few quiet moments alone? Do you think of God, your ideals, lofty goals and principles, people who need your help? Or do you think of who's been doing you wrong lately, grudges you're still nursing, images you wouldn't want your spouse to see? Do you like the person you find when you're by yourself? If you don't, you might be eager to flip on the background noise to keep from ever confronting them. And yet, if you don't engage in this confrontation, nothing about your life will ever change because you won't know what aspects of your soul need tending. Have you ever felt down about yourself or restless about how your life was going and then, instead of sitting with the feeling for a while, you started surfing the internet? Lost in the noise of the web, you soon forgot what you were anxious about, but you also missed an opportunity to better know yourself and to take action to resolve whatever had created the empty feeling in the first place. That so captures the experience of silence and solitude. We settle through all the noise and we find out who we really are, kind of raw and exposed before God. And we connect with ourselves and what's really happening inside of us. And we connect with the presence of God that lives within us. See, that's what's beautiful about these disciplines. It's not just that we we kind of slough off all the, the things we're thinking about and connect with ourselves. No, it's that we as believers know that Jesus lives in us. And so when we get to the bottom of all the stuff, we find him there as well. And what I find is, I, I have just such profound times of connection with him. Sometimes when I, when I do this, this discipline, I, I know this might sound a little mystical. I, I kind of don't know another way to describe it, and so I apologize for that. But it's like I almost feel a sense of light coming from inside of me. It's it's the presence of God that dwells within, and I'm experiencing him in the middle of that. And so I almost feel like radiant, like my spirit is somehow shining or something like that. And that's not coming from me. It's coming from Jesus Christ, the light who lives in me. And I've stilled myself long enough to find him in there. And then what happens is when we come to that place, the longer we spend there... We calibrate ourselves to the fact that that can be our normal. (laughs) That God does live within us. And we can live in connection with the God who dwells inside. That underneath all the other stuff, that actually is the deepest and the truest thing. And so we take some time to set our experience to say, you know what? This is actually what's normal. It's communion with God. This is actually what's normal. Being at rest, being at peace, and being um, open and vulnerable before him without all the noise. That's what we come to in solitude and in silence. And once you're there, what you'll find, and you see this in the videos, time just zips by. Because being in the presence of God is beautiful. (laughs) And we've experienced that. Have you ever had a worship set where you're like, wow, that was so quick? (laughs) It's because when we connect with the presence of God, time flies when we're having fun. I'll put it that way. So here's my invitation for each of us this week. I know each of us, we're in a very different place in this season. Some of us are, we have all the time in the world right now. And we can do whatever we want. Our schedule is totally free. And others of us are finding ourselves busier than ever right now. We 're juggling trying to figure out how to work from home and, and school kids that we're not used to schooling and and, and all, all of these other things, and so I know for each of us it's going to look different. But for you and for your situation, whatever is both doable but also sacrificial, I want to encourage you to set some time and to engage with silence and solitude this week and and it doesn't have to be a super long period of time. I took a long period of time. Uh, that's because I wanted to press in really far and try and capture the experience well. It may not be that at all. It might be, you know what, I'm gonna get up half an hour earlier than I, than I usually do and spend that half an hour in silence and solitude. It might be, we finally got the kids down and rather than just watching Netflix, <laughs> I'm gonna take, take that time to do silence and solitude time or, or, or whatever it is. However it works for you, no prescription, just do what's doable, do what's sacrificial. But let's take some time, let's settle, and let's nurture that secret history with God. You know, God's been talking to me a lot in this COVID season about the difference between activity and authority. Activities is when we're active, it's when we're doing things. But what God has been talking to me about is how when something needs to change in the kingdom, if you have authority, you don't need a lot of activity. There's a, there's a famous story of Jesus um, sleeping in a storm. His disciples, 12 uh, people, many of them professional, professional fishermen, are, are panicking. And they're trying to tie down the, the sails. And they're trying to get the, the water out of the boat. And they're, they're frantic. They're busy with activity. And in the midst of it, they wake up Jesus. Jesus, we're going to die. We need your help. And Jesus doesn't respond out of activity. He doesn't grab a bucket and start getting the water out. He responds out of authority. He just says, be still. Boom. Problem solved. The authority resolved the problem that activity couldn't. And it required very little activity, just two words, be still, to resolve the problem because Jesus approached it with authority, not with activity. I don't know about you, I want to experience more authority in my life. I want to be able to speak to things. In Jesus' name, sickness go. In Jesus' name, let provision be released. Those would be two real helpful ones in this season, wouldn't it? I want to respond with authority that works. Not prayers that feel like they bounce off the ceiling. Prayers that feel like they calm the storm. And I sense for us, for our church in this time, there's a real invitation. What the Lord is doing is he's inviting us to an upgrade in authority. And that's a weird thing because what upgrades your authority is usually not activity. It's not being busy. And when there's crisis and when there's all the complicatedness of the season, there's such a, a, it's so easy. to i got to do something. We jump in. We get busy. We're very active. But I sense God saying, no, actually, I want to meet you in the secret place, and I want to upgrade your authority. We see over and over again in the scriptures, it's it's these disciplines. It's Jesus going out for 40 days in the wilderness, and he comes back in the power of the Spirit. It's Jesus telling the disciples, this kind of Spirit only comes out with prayer and fasting. Let's upgrade authority. None of us knows what our very uncertain future looks like. But one thing I do know is this it's going it's more complicated there's more things to figure out it's more uncertain and we need spiritual authority more than ever we are in a unique season the government has actually mandated a period of time that allow us to engage in these disciplines of abstinence so powerfully what it's it's cut off most of the presence of other people <laughs> solitude it's cut off um, most of the ability for other people to see what we're doing secrecy it's cut off a lot of the restaurants food fasting it's cut off (laughs) a lot of um a lot of our ability to get things you know frugality Uh, these disciplines of abstinence are natural and they're sitting right in front of us and so what i want to say is this what if we looked at the season not as oh no we're cut off and we're we're what's going to happen we looked at it and we said oh my goodness, God has actually worked through our government to mandate a period of time that's perfectly fit for an upgrade in authority. Let's nurture our secret history with God for ourselves, but even more importantly, that we may have the strength to give away, to minister to others like Jesus is doing in this time. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, Go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.